This is a message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Cheese! Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pizza now has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust for just nine bucks. I repeat, it has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust. Cheese! That concludes the message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Get a large Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pepperoni Stuffed Crust Pizza for $9. Top four national pizza chains. Extra Most Bestest Pizza versus large round one topping pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices. Three feet of cheese before cooking at participating locations plus tax. Pizza, pizza. Alright, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Friday, December 14th. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. Sitting in the same room from DFSR.com. DFSR.com slash deals get you started. It's a free seven-day trial to our premium product. Powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal Labs for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. We got you covered for NBA. Got you covered for NHL. All cover in the one subscription package plus premium chat, premium content. About as good a deal as you will find in the industry dfsr.com slash deals and that's a special deal just for you the podcast listener we are here breaking down week 15 in the nfl uh we did not have a cash game podcast so we were going to roll through some of those cash game plays uh, on this podcast as well as we catch up with a a shorter main slate of games because we have two saturday games we're going to kind of skip over those that's the houston and jets and browns and denver and really who wants to hear about those games anyway and if you want to run lives for those we have those slates up on our and the projections all updated for the, for those so if you want to go check that out you can get that in the premium offering but we're going to focus here on the main slate uh with some injury considerations like we said with some cash game cash game stuff we're going to roll through um in terms of you know position by position and uh we'll kind of look at some of the the lines and where we see some of these games ending up um, Arizona goes in and plays Atlanta. Atlanta's a 10-point favorite at home, 44 over under. Usually where you want to land on running backs uh, when you see this home favorite by, by this much. And I just, I, I, we just simply just can't trust the Atlanta side of things at this point, right? Like they, Edo Smith and Tevin Coleman just had another week where they split carries directly down the middle last week. 33 for Coleman, 32 for Jones. Both were decent. Uh, that's a lot of carries. Yeah, that's, Six, that's 65 carries they had in that game. Or were those snaps? Snaps, sorry, sorry, God. snaps. Yeah, 33, 33 snaps uh, to, thir- to 32 for Smith, sure. sorry. Um, you know, we're decent on the ground, but, I mean, what do we want to trust in this game? And then we can talk a little Julio maybe uh, in terms of if he's a guy we want to land on for cash games coming off another uh, another big week where he's he's fully off the uh, touchdown schneid that was, that was kind of plaguing him earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm not super interested in this game on either side, frankly, for cash games. I do think Julio is an interesting big tournament play here. Uh, he did have that run one bad week against Baltimore, but other than that, the guy has actually been really steadily putting up fantasy points in the 20s. And we know, uh, just from many, many historical examples of this, even this season, the first game of the year, uh, he has that 19-target game in him, especially if a game stays close in sort of a surprising way. So Julio's always going to be on my radar for big tournaments. Uh, I'm not super, super worried about the foot, at least right now. Um, he also tried to practice Thursday, sent home for an illness, but all signs are uh, that eventually he'll play. So, yeah, I'm... Uh, I could still see seeing him understanding that it's not the ideal matchup with Patrick Peterson, but I still just think it doesn't matter that much, frankly, for big tournaments. Like, you know, all the it's it's almost like a more efficient market in some ways, and the people know, people all share sort of the same information, right? Oh, this is a bad matchup. That is, but driving down ownership percentage just matters a lot for big tournaments, where it matters less for cash games. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Julio here. Yeah, and like uh, I think you're right about the, the the Peterson thing will be in people's minds, and it's for sure a thing. Like he gets a big downgrade in our system for it, right. and that that downgrade will apply across the industry, and everyone will know it. And that's and Julio is just one of these guys that can just still produce about as big a wide receiver game as there is in the NFL. And we've seen time and again, 
you know, some people outkick some of that coverage, so to speak, uh, part of the pun, in terms of getting there on value. Wouldn't want to do it for cash games, and we'll be a little bit worried about the blowout. Uh, and this, I don't know, from the Arizona side, it's hard to get too interested in what they've been doing. They've, they try to use David Johnson enough. It's just they're not a team that does enough on offense. Like, you know, they're coming off a week. Johnson touched the ball 25 times last week. He had 15 carries for 49 yards, 10 targets. You love this line. Eight receptions, 12 yards. So that's the old... I mean, I feel like that's what I would do. Starling. Like <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's what I would do is like I would just run to the line, hope that I would catch the ball, and just get instantly controlled. <laughs> it would hurt your hands if those guys threw you the ball, though. So. I feel like they'd be so close to me that they wouldn't... They, they, they would know not to throw it as hard as they, <laughs> Josh Rosen. Dude, I, we're so close to each other. Josh, Why are you throwing so hard? Rosen, man, come on, man. Slow down. I my hands. I, yeah, I have small hands, too. All right. Uh, let's keep rolling through some of these games. Again, if you... The, well, last thing on David Johnson. There, there are a few guys that get this kind of volume, right? And if you are just going to touch the ball 25 times for your team there and you have a talent of david johnson there are going to be games where you kind of just destroy your price because you break a couple tackles and you do get into the end zone and understanding that the arizona defense is about as bad as it gets so yeah, granted he doesn't have any touchdowns in the last five games more fumbles than touchdowns well, they have trouble getting close enough to the, to, <laughs> to the actual end zone that's and that's always going to be a problem on yeah. bad teams uh i'm very interested in this game is definitely some interested in your thoughts on the miami and minnesota game so minnesota mm-hmm. Go is seven and a half point home favorites. Yep. Uh, again, this is where we land. Where we this is where we begin to want to land on starting running backs for a team. Dalvin Cook is coming off a week where he destroyed the snap count over Latavius Murray. Uh, let me just I had it in front of me, and I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, yeah, so last week Dalvin Cook outsnapped Latavius Murray forty nine to eight, touched the ball thirteen times on the ground, and had seven targets through the air. Price. He wasn't. He had fifty five yards on the ground, had a receiving twenty eight receiving yards, and had a receiving touchdown. He's his price. He's coming pretty cheap. Like FanDuel for our purposes is really almost yeah. completely locked into him at sixty two hundred. Would you feel comfortable with him? We've seen the carries kind of come and go on him, and we've seen them split time with him and Murray a little bit more than you'd like to. And we're just coming off a week where he was just the man. And th- and by the way, early in the season when we thought he was going to be the man before kind of the injuries cropped up, this is a guy we got really wanted to run out there for sure in cash games. What are your thoughts on Cook going in here? Is he a cash game play uh, on this slate? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd like to... So I'm going to start by saying simple yes. I think Cook is definitely a cash game play. And this is one of those scenarios where just looking at previous weeks doesn't always tell you the whole tale because in the last two weeks, I think the Vikings running game sees less opportunity just on the back of weird game scripts where they were not going to be running the ball very much, right? Like if you're down by two touchdowns, it's just hard to just hand the ball to your running back, keep the clock running, and probably get you know burn off four yards or whatever. Uh, if you go back to the last game that they won against Green Bay, they carried the ball, let's see, they gave the ball to running backs 22 total times. But at that point, Murray was actually getting more co- carries than Cook. The fact that Cook is out snapping Murray, the fact that Murray got just three carries for four yards last game, leads me to believe that they're going back to the preseason plan, which appeared to be to make Cook the feature running back. So yeah, I think you actually are really reassured by, yeah, granted it was only 18 total touches, and uh, you know with seven of those being targets that uh, turned only into five receptions but granted it was only 18 touches but the fact that they did that in a 14 point loss leads me to believe that if this game follows the game script that Vegas has put forth you could see mid-20s touches for Cook without too much difficulty bottom third defense for Dolphins this season yeah. slightly better against the run but it's negligible so I don't think you're worried about that and what you like to see when we get this late in the season is a team that needs to win uh, Minnesota is 6-6-1 six, six, and one. That is still in the playoff hunt oh, yeah. in the East. Uh, it, it, it should be the East. I'm thinking basketball. In the yeah. NFC. Um, 
so you we we do want to hone in teams with something to play for. So sometimes teams are playing for just like getting their guys, you know, getting the guys stats, or right. just doing kind of or seeing what they have in, in other guys. But Minnesota is a team that needs to win, so I, I think I'm on that. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, really the former more than the latter, are guys that we've wanted to really heavily target in kind of in cash games earlier in the season when the target share was through the roof. That hasn't really been the case in the short term. Thielen's coming off only a seven-target game for 70 yards. Uh, Diggs went four for six for 76 yards. I still have him like close to double-digit target expectation. I'm not sure if that's really where we want to land because Thielen's price has come down, and he's kind of his, his name is kind of. Cr- popping its head up in some lineups here where do you stand on the passing game for the for the, yeah, goal, rather, uh, for the vikings i'd rather not frankly i think thielen you know was a great story in the beginning of the season three of his last six weeks just seven targets in those weeks if you know that that's just going to happen from time to time for him it's really hard to pay and that's half the games it's really hard to pay the full 8200 and oddly in some of these other games he hasn't even been that efficient like the new england game he did get the 10 targets but he caught just five of them for 28 yards so i don't know if this is other teams you know, kind of just figuring out the Vikings and their approach and kind of taking away uh, those slot passes a little more often. I mean, Thielen was never like a classic, I'm going to beat you, even if you know I'm going to beat you sort of wide receiver. He wasn't Randy Moss. Uh, It was sort of a gimmicky thing in the first place. And the fact that teams have a blueprint for it now makes me a little bit more bearish than I had been. I think Dig. I think both these guys, Thielen and Diggs, are are interesting big tournament upside plays because we've seen in the not-too-distant past that they can be double-digit targets. You know, they can put up 100-plus receiving yards, multiple touchdowns. The upside is still there, but for cash, I think we can do better. Yeah, uh, my, like I said, Miami is worse against the pass. You are getting uh, pretty low-rated cornerbacks uh, in this situation, specifically out of the slot, and that's where Thielen is going to run a majority of his routes, run si- almost 60% of his routes from the slot, and that's where Miami has had the most difficult time covering that part of the field. Yeah. So if there's going to be a place to target, it really sure it does sure seem like it's going to be here. So if we saw a, a return to double-digit targets because they were looking to exploit something, I wouldn't be shocked. And at this point, yeah, I just either. don't think you can bank on it in the way that we could bank on it earlier in the season uh, or the way you can kind of look to some of these other guys. On the Miami side, uh, you know, they're coming off the crazy win uh, last week against uh, the Patriots, obviously. We have seen them, you know, Kenny Stills get some targets from time to time. Uh, they are, they're they pretty big underdogs with a low total. Anything you like on Miami? No, not especially. I mean, I think the wide receiver game is going to be interesting from a tournament perspective just because if you happen to guess right, you could wind up feeling pretty happy about it. Uh, if you happen to guess Kenny Stills last week against New England, congratulations. You probably had yourself in GPP discussions, at least on the basis of that selection. Um, but there's no saying to me that, you know, right now Amendola and Parker, their statuses are still in doubt. And if either of these guys plays, they could be the guys who get the chief, you know, target share over the course of the week. I, I just don't know that this is where you want to be making your firm guesses because I don't think that Miami has demonstrated hey, when everyone's healthy, this is our guy. Yeah, yeah and like Tannehill you know, averages some like 26 attempts a game. Like They play super yeah. slow with him. He does not throw the ball very well downfield. Yeah, down you could field. just lose it on sheer volume. Exactly. Sure. Like they, There are volume concerns here. Minnesota is a good defense. Tampa Bay goes in and plays Baltimore. Baltimore, seven and a half point home favorites. And I'm, I'm stressing the home favorite thing here because it is something of a theme this week um, as we get later in the season. And that is where we want to target ground game. And when we want to target ground game with Baltimore, you're almost just targeting the quarterback at this point. I, like yeah. I don't like he is the ground game. They have Gus Edwards there as well, but Lamar Jackson is just he's the running back. Um, he's the running back who uh, you know at times in the run pass, well, really the run run option is mostly what they're running. But uh, in that in that kind of option format that they're running with him, he's the guy that is getting well, majority of the touches. He touched he ran the ball 14 times last week, threw the ball 24 times. This is the best 
defense, one of the best defenses you can face against in terms of DFS or just football in general. Where do we land on Jackson right now coming in 100% of our lineups for both FanDuel and DraftKings at his price point? Yeah, I mean, the Jackson thing is a little bit weird because people have been playing quarterbacks against Tampa Bay all season, and by and large, it's worked. Uh, Jackson just isn't exactly a quarterback in the way that most people picture, though. Uh, he's actually a pretty ineffective passer, and if you look at the schedule he's had since becoming a starter, this is something I was looking up uh, in writing the cash game article this week. He played Cincinnati, terrible pass defense. Oakland, worst pass defense. Atlanta, bottom five pass defense. And in those games, he never managed more than 178 passing yards. I think KC so. is about as close to bottom one, too. KC is like middle of the pack. I, I looked that no, up. No, KC is dead last against the pass this season. Oh, no, 32. Uh, run. I'm looking wrong. They're, they're, sorry. Yeah, 26 overall. My bad. Good. There you go. Yes. I'm going to proceed there. now. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, so, it's, so it's this weird thing where he's had these excellent matchups, really hasn't done anything with them through the air. So if we're looking at the baseline for Jackson, I feel like you almost need a matchup on this level in order to be considering him at an escalating price point because he hasn't exactly killed these prices. That being said, if I told you there was a running back who was going to average 17 carries for 71 yards and about a touchdown every other game, you'd be pretty interested in this price point anyway. And if I told you he was going to stack on effectively a high floor six to ten fantasy points which is what jackson can get out of the passing game i think you'd be even more interested so i think that jack like if you basically take him as like christian mccaffrey or something like that i think that's a a reasonable comp and for his price point i think he's going to bring an excellent floor because it's going to be awfully tough for him to short of getting sat which i think is in play for a guy who's going to really struggle to pass the ball from time to time short of getting sat it's going to be hard for him to not get there to like 17, 18, 19 fantasy points. Yeah, it's worth noting here. So two things: one, Flacco is back and healthy I know, now, that's and has what I'm been moved. About. Yeah, it has been moved just as into the backup role. So that is going to loom there and sit there as a if you are struggling. Yeah, you're telling me if they fall behind 13 points in a game, Jackson just get Jackson has two interceptions on five of 14 passing. Like he's getting pulled out of the game. Yep, and I and you make a great point about the the just unbelievable run that he's had against teams. The five his first five games as a starter against the five of the seven worst defenses in the league so you just really saying, can't man. You, you can't run any better in terms of this yep i think that's enough to be concerned and we're gonna have to probably manage this and we'll be on a live yeah. stream going into uh we'll go be on our live stream on twitch going into lineup lock where we'll be discussing this very thing about where we want to land on lamar jackson yeah one other thing about jackson too when you lose baseline stats you really have to be careful about strength of schedule stuff too because over the course of a whole season strength of schedule tends to not matter quite as much over a five game stretch if you just happen to roll the dice and hit the jackpot of like all the worst defenses you really can get in a position where a guy's stats are inflated so yeah a little concern for sure yep they're gonna need to jump out to a lead here well this will be this will be one of the key cogs of things key uh, pieces of just information that we're looking at we're gonna just need to make the decision no one's gonna make our our projections are gonna have to determine where we land with this tampa bay side deshaun jackson looks like he's i think he's just been ruled out already um chris godwin's been a guy he got targeted 10 times caught one ball last week uh, on 10 targets He's a guy that's still on the target share, is still coming in as something of a, of a value, especially on DraftKings of 4,900. I think he's close on FanDuel as well. And the conversion is at 5,400 on FanDuel because the price doesn't move because he's just stunk so bad. Nine of those balls were uncatchable, according to different stats that I've read. Where can you land on a guy like Godwin here? Um, still coming cheap for a guy that has seen double-digit targets. Yeah, it's strange on Godwin. I, like a, a one out of ten week is something I would not have forecast as a potential outcome for him. Uh, he had reeled in 19 of his prior 20 targets. Um, so the one out of ten sure just seems like just a crazy outlier. I don't really know how else to say it. Uh, part of the 
part of that could be other teams realizing that they're actually going to pass him the ball and maybe taking him a little bit more seriously. But I suspect that 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 we'll see him come back to being a pretty efficient member of the Tampa Bay passing game. Uh, Fifty four hundred is an extremely cheap price. I think the real question will be how many times do you need to pay down at wide receiver this week? Um, right now, our system, especially on Fanduel, where Amari Cooper is basically going to top eighty percent cash game ownership, I would guess at a sixty six hundred dollar price tag. How many times do you really need to go into the basement? I mean, if you're going to pay Dalvin Cook sixty two hundred, Amari Cooper sixty six hundred. Do you need more than one punt wide receiver? Because I think there's some other... And if you play Jalen Samuels again, too, for instance. Because um, I think there's some other interesting cheap wide receiver options, too. But, yeah, I think if Godwin wind up in my lineups, I would grin and bear it. Uh, okay, moving into the next game. I just lost my... I lost where I was going here. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oakland goes in and plays Cincinnati. Cincinnati, three... Man, three-point home favorites against the Raiders. And that's like, again, look yourself in the mirror time, Raiders, because this is Jeff Driscoll. This is no A.J. Green. This is a Cincinnati team that's been... They've been a little feisty at times from here and there, but this is the team that's playing with essentially its B team at this point. I mean, Oakland has a minus 144 point differential over 13 games. Oh, they're they're horrible. (laughs) Like that's what I mean. Like, and and beat my Steelers though. And they're coming. They're they're underdogs to a team that has lost its last five straight uh, against. I mean, I guess stiffer man, stiffer competition. New Orleans, Baltimore, Cleveland, Denver. It's tough to be Chargers. less stiff than the Raiders, right? <laughs> okay, I mean. so yeah, it's just crazy. It's, the Raiders are so, so garbage. Um, okay, let's talk about Cincinnati here because they're they are favorites here. Expected to put up some points, and we are coming off a week where they just gave Mixon the ball every single time. Okay. Mixon, uh, twenty six carries, five receptions. Um, this is a guy that we've wanted to touch on about being like sort of like an elite usage kind of guy. Yep. Injury concerns have been a problem with him this year. Except the games he's played, he's basically seen. This kind, this kind of usage. Sorry, he had six targets in the passing. So 32 total touches on the week. Yeah, it's a wonder week. he's had trouble staying healthy. <laughs> yeah, well, well, on the season, though. So where do we land with him on cash games? He's a guy that I, our system kind of wants to jam in on this sure. slate. So right now on the season, Mixon sits one, two, three, four, five, seventh overall in running back touches per game on games that he's played. He started 11 games yeah. this season. He's behind only Elliot Gurley, Connor, who's hurt, obviously. Or we'll talk about him in a little bit. David Johnson, McCaffrey. And this includes and then games Mixon. where he was basically splitting time with Gio Bernard, which really isn't the plan right now either. Exactly. So where do we land with him? Because he, if we could, can we reasonably give him like 22 to 23 touches in this game? I'm talking carries plus receptions. Because if mm-hmm. that's the case against this Raiders defense, he's almost like a cash game lock at 7,800. Not exactly cheap, but... I think he's a great play. Yep. Okay. If you're asking me, I I think you don't need to make too much of a case for me. I think this is a a classic example where the recent game log doesn't tell the whole story. Once again, Cincinnati is so bad that it's just really hard for them to give their running back a lot of carries. And the fact is, it's like Cleveland is this way too. The fact that they've managed to do it anyway shows me that they're just not confident in any of the other plan. And so if they take a seven-point lead against Oakland in the first quarter, they're not just going to pound it to Mixon until it stops working. I have a hard time buying it. So yeah, I'm a... Big believer in mixing this week. Definitely a cash game play for me. Running backs that are more expensive than him on DraftKings. Uh, David Johnson. That's the best guy, Pass. by the way. Aaron Jones Pass. against the Bears. Tarek Cohen. <laughs> it's like these guys are more expensive. Mixon is the eighth most expensive running No, excuse me, ninth most expensive running back on on DraftKings. That is a joke of a price. He's a cash game lock on DraftKings for us. Um, I don't see why you would go away from him. Perfect matchup. I, th- I suspect you see him as a pretty heavy chalk on, on a, short, down, a shorter dude. slate. Uh, what about the pass game here? No A.J. Green still. Tyler Boyd, that really hasn't translated as a one-to-one 
uptick in Boyd because Boyd just was is running essentially the same routes with less protection on the outside from from Green. That's kind of how I'm evaluating the situation on the Cincinnati side. I don't know if you see something different though. No, not really. I think you can just speculate on some upside basically in the passing game for Cincinnati, but you are just know that you're entering into full scale speculation. Cincinnati also bad on defense here. You know that's why this spread is thin against a team that's really, really bad. It's also like look yourself in the mirror time for them as well. If they're only yeah. three point favorites, which is basically saying Vegas is just trying to pick it out. Uh, Doug Martin, sixteen carries for thirty two yards last week. He stinks, uh, but he does get a lot of touches. And then we have the passing game, which has been a mess all season. Though Jared Cook has shown pretty steady target uh, target upside here with Jordy Nelson as well. What do you, can you talk yourself into stuff on this Oakland side? All these, a lot of these guys are still coming very cheap. Yeah, I think Jordy Nelson is actually a receiver that I could really see being a cash game option this week. I mean, Nelson in the last two weeks has been targeted 18 times, caught 16 of those for just under 150 passing yards. No touchdowns. Touchdowns are going to be scarce on a team like the Raiders, but it seems as though uh, Derek Carr has found someone that he can get a little bit of synergy with. Uh, Nelson can spread it out all over the field. When he's in the slot, he will go up against Darquez Denard, who's been one of the very worst cover corners out of the slot this season. So I think Nelson just 5,000 for a guy with 18 targets and 16 catches in the last two weeks. Nothing has really changed for Oakland. You would suspect that sometimes, and sometimes I think they just want to be able to move the chains in a somewhat reliable fashion. Nelson scratches that itch for me. So uh, I think between him and Godwin, I might want to lean Nelson. You get a little savings there too. Do you have a gut between those two in, in a cheap possession receiver camp? I mean, I, it'd be a situation I wouldn't want to go 100% all in on either, I don't think. Uh, I, I think sometimes I can splitting some of these guys in terms of just the overall target share. I mean, the overall like just uh, exposure to in lineups is not the worst thing in the world because right. it's just hard, tough to make a conviction call on either one of them. They both have disappearing acts in their in their game yeah, logs no as well. So uh, that's my only concern. Uh, real quick, uh, Jared Cook, well, you know, I'll, I'll go to when we get to this, this next game because I want to ask you some like this guy or that guy uh, sort of stats because Jared Cook is falling into a, a, a tighter, a tight end group that I think we're going to need to like wade through and I think people are going to be asking themselves where they're going to land on some of these tight ends, but we'll get sure. to that in a little bit. Tennessee goes in and plays the Giants. Giants coming off just the trouncing of the Redskins last week, even without Odell Beckham Jr., who I believe is on track to play this week. Uh, it's we- been News has been pretty mixed on Beckham. He missed Thursday's practice, and he basically, when somebody asked him afterwards, he said he wouldn't know until Sunday gets there. But he said he's feeling better, so it's just a game time decision. Basically. Okay, so let's let's start with him as if he's not going to play. Okay. Last week we we wanted to bump up Sterling Shepard. Um, again, yeah. I'm not sure if in the end, in thinking about that, if that was just the completely correct way to go because Shepard, while he's going to see increased target share, some of his target, it's like the Tyler Boyd thing, like his protection in the lineup, or excuse me, not the lineup, it's not like it's basketball. His protection in especially like the passing routes comes from having another guy like Beckham there. Like you get, you, there's just more to concentrate when Beckham's on the field, which is going to open up things for Shepard. So I'm not sure. I'm thinking in thinking about it, going a little overboard in Shepard's targets might not have been the play, um, and I'm a little concerned about doing that again. And then Barkley is another guy that we wanted to target, saying, you know, this guy is so dynamic and is so involved in the passing game, is game script independent. He was a guy we were essentially wanting to just basically jam into lineups last week. Also, where do we land if on the Giants again if Beckham were to sit? Yeah, it's kind of tough to say because, you know, someone like Saquon Barkley, he touched the ball, you know, only 18 times, but basically the whole, the Giants sat everybody. That was a one half, yeah, like exactly. a half plus of football. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah. if you think that the Giants' plan is to basically just lean on Barkley when it's working, when it always just seems to be working with Barkley, he's just really one of those uh, singular talent type guys who can 
just get it done regardless of what else is going on in the offense. I mean, especially if you think about how little teams have had to respect the Giants passing game this season and how successful Barkley's been anyway. It's just a pretty much a sight to behold. Um, so I, I'm still pretty high on Barkley in terms of, you know, in an absolute sense, in terms of raw fantasy points. But the big question is, can you pay $9,400 for a running back on this slate, given that, you know, you probably have to play Zeke and there's a few other areas where, you know, the money starts getting a little bit tighter. You have some reasonably cheap flex and running back options. I don't know. Um, I don't know that I would want to run Shepard back out there. Really concerned about the target share for him even in a pretty weird game script. Still think there's incredible big tournament upside there, but, you know, it, it wasn't very reassuring, I guess, is my, my main thought there. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I land. Uh, it, it helps the, from the decision-making process that Barkley is just very ex- so expensive now that it might just end up becoming a price thing where he's 9400 That's 600 more than Zeke. I don't think there's any way you'd want to play Barkley over Zeke at this point um, right. in terms of cash game. So I don't think you're making that decision. It's really a question of whether you want to play them together in lineups, and I'm just not sure... That's really where I want to be, and we'll wait on the Beckham news. Right. Uh, on the uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, or the, the Tennessee side of the ball, we just saw, you know. Yeah, well, you have to think about Derrick Henry in every format. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, I know he's coming off this huge game, and I get it, like the, the 99 yard <laughs> run, and but I mean, is one week enough? A one week of just historical level of production that we saw last week uh, in that game is that enough to like change your tune on a guy who is essentially splitting carries had been mostly ineffective this season like he just not hadn't been a very good running back 17 carries 238 yards four touchdowns where do you want to land on the guys like him and Deion Lewis the Giants still are not a very good team but the defense isn't very good you could there's potentially value here I'm wondering do you think people will go overboard on Henry because of that performance yeah probably I mean Deion Lewis for how ineffective he was he still touched the ball 15 times last game and if you look at Henry and you see the 17 carries you know, in a vacuum, you might think, hey, that's a reasonable number of touches, especially given how good he was. But the fact that he touched the ball 17 times but had no targets and Deion Lewis had those five targets tells you just on face value that they're just doing a first and second down and a third down back sort of situation. And the fact that Lewis uh, still managed 10 carries as well is just not a very welcome sign. Uh, so you like the price point. Obviously, the upside is going to be significant. The matchup with the Giants is pretty solid, but. I think you don't want to get ahead of yourself here because there's easily a week where, like, say the Giants get up in this game, Tennessee's not going to be able to give their running backs 32 touches in a game. So I think you could see that number dip down, you know, and all of a sudden splitting 32 carries is all well and good, or 32 touches. Splitting, like, 21 is pretty bad. So uh, it's not a matchup or a situation I'm very excited about. The team they beat last week was the Jags, who looked once again horrible, but I'm wondering your opinion about Jacksonville going into this week. So Jacksonville comes to this week, very low total, 36 over-under against Washington, yep. but 7.5-point favorites over a Washington team that just got just completely no, run over. No members of their offense. That would... no, well, well, okay, so where do we land on a guy like Fournette? Because Jags still are fine playing him and giving him the ball a lot. Like, he didn't see that many touches last game because they were just losing 30-9, to nine, and Tennessee controlled the ball so much on the ground with Henry that yeah. they were just the time of possession just ended up getting them. But now they're home favorites with Fournette, a guy that they've shown the willingness to just say you know, devil may care attitude about what, about like how many times he's going to touch the ball sure. in a game. If we get, can we reasonably give him like 22 to 23 touches in this game? And if so, does he end up actually creeping into the cash game discussion or has just the performance just not been there for him? Cause they, again, check the box of home favorite guy who gets a lot of touches and it's Fournette, And I'm just like, I just don't know where he lands in, in, in the group of other cash game running backs we've talked about so far. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd rather not for cash game purposes, just because I, I, all of your, 
the signs, the tea leaves that you're reading, I agree with, actually. I think him being a favorite here, Jacksonville's cavalier use of him in the past, all of that is a, a mark in the pro column for Fournette, for sure. And he just might not get them, too. You know, like Jacksonville is still a pretty bad team with a pretty bad offense in their own right. And we've seen, I mean, look at that Colts game is a pretty reasonable example of this, right? Ja- that should have been a game... Like if there was going to be a game where the Jacksonville running game should have been able to do work, it ought to have been in that game. And it's just been an uphill battle for them. I also think Fournette's injury concerns over the course of the season, sure, he's had some games where he's had pretty significant usage. I don't think it would surprise anyone to see him have to miss a series or two there. And you're still paying relatively premium prices here. So, you know, and obviously this isn't probably the decision you're going to make, but Ezekiel Elliott's 600 more than Fournette. Like you have to. No, none of these guys are in discussion about whether they're better than better than Zeke for me. It's, but at this point, no, I'm just I know, talking about saying, who like, I want to play with guys. Zeke. Yeah. But is Fournette fundamentally different than Dalvin Cook this week in your mind? Because in my mind, he's not really, right. and he's two thousand more dollars. So, uh, not that again, he's probably got more upside in terms of absolute points. But you just you're paying for him, man. You're paying a lot for like it's DFS will, will play with your mind this way in a way that season long won't, where it's like. You can be right about all the things you say, but price can still make a guy a not-so-good play. And I think that's where I land with Fournette right now. Um, I'm just confirming something. Yeah, so Josh Johnson is going to get the start here for the Redskins. He came in in the second half over Mark Sanchez. was, I mean, dynamically better than, than Sanchez was. It's unclear if we can take much from that. That was against, like, the Giants' second team. The game was over. The fans had already filed out of the stadium. He was playing yeah. against, like, it was essentially a preseason game that he was playing more than an actual NFL game. Now going against a Jaguars team that has been, you know, hot and cold on defense this season. Right. Um, unclear about how much their offense is affecting their defense, but... Josh Johnson as a cheap play, knowing that you're just, you know, the guy can run a little bit. He didn't look incompetent last week. Uh, where do you land on, on a guy like him? Sure, yeah, I, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, again, not where I'm going to land uh, trying to play a team's, you know, fourth-string quarterback or whatever. I think, yeah, he looked pretty – he looked good against all the Giants' backups, so there's that. Uh, but, you know, we've been down this road before, and I think the price spread on FanDuel in particular – winds up being tight enough to where you just don't want to be again you're, you're deciding between johnson 6500 and even like Jameis winston at 7000 you're right. not gonna you're just not gonna do that yep i, I agree with you and uh, you know in a in, if it was a slightly different just defensive matchup i think maybe we could talk ourselves into maybe some of the run stuff but i just this against jacksonville where you might just get ground out in terms of clock i'm not sure if that's i'm not sure how much overall upside we're really getting for, from that matchup. Um, all right, let's move into the. I think we're done with the one o'clock games. Let's, Green no, Bay, Chicago. Oh, sorry, no, I, I skipped over a couple here. Yeah, Green Bay, Chicago. Chicago six point home favorites against Green Bay. Um, the defense, obviously, on the Chicago side has been unbelievable this season. Their offense has been able to maintain. Uh, just I'm saying that because the defense is so good and the offense is just good enough uh, that they become uh, a well above average team in, in the aggregate. Uh, six point home favorites against a Green Bay team that is now on their second week with a new coach. Uh, any thoughts from a DFS perspective in this game? Not a bad total here at 45. bunch of points coming in on the Chicago side. Yeah, the, the total is not terrible. but it's, So I'll, I'll start with Green Bay because they tend to be the more fantasy-relevant team on a week-to-week basis. Going against Chicago in their 6.4 yards per attempt through the air allowed this season basically has you ruling out the whole team for cash game purposes. Uh, so I think you can kind of cross them off rather quickly i will put Devonte adams in that group with julio jones of the expensive receiver who's probably too expensive for cash but an interesting pivot if you want to look at him for big tournaments uh three weeks in a row now uh, with a touchdown 11 and 13 targets in his last two weeks i think he's the type of guy who has that absolutely going off game 
inside him. Uh, his red zone usage has been solid this season, uh, which has kind of been an issue for him in the past sometimes. 12 receiving TDs. Uh, I think I'm interested in Adams for big tournaments, especially given that I think this is not a direction most people are going to look. Yeah, and then Chicago side, uh, it's hard to trust the running <clears> game here. Uh, Jordan Howard will touch the ball in games where they're winning, doesn't do anything in the passing game, yep. is largely ineffective. The passing game is there just so they can run the ball more. I mean, they, they do sort of just enough with the Trubisky side of it to get first downs and then continue to try to run with between Cohen and Howard. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this game from a fantasy perspective. I actually don't mind the Chicago defense, even though you do have to pay a little of, of a premium just on what they've been able to do this season. Uh, I did, sorry, I, I skipped a couple of these 1 o'clock games because the other one that's going to have about as much Huge fantasy, fantasy relevance, yeah, this is it, is Dallas and Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts are three-point home favorites uh, against the Dallas team coming off another a big win over Philly last week. Their offense is now concentrated solely on basically three guys, and that's Dak, Love to Z- see Zeke, and Amari Cooper. Play them all. Give me all of them for cash games. That's in- what I wrote up in the cash game article this week. I'll take them all. Dak is my favorite quarterback. I feel like people have really... I don't know. I feel like somehow he's just become underrated in terms of his fantasy production over the course of this season. He's 7,300, which is a very affordable price. Granted, you can't count on him for 455 passing yards like he had against Philly, but he had a pretty long stretch there where the floor was very reasonable. And the fact that he's still chipping in pretty solid production on the ground, I think this season he's on pace for his highest ever completion percentage, so 68% completion rate more rushing yards per game than he ever has in the past and more rushing touchdowns than he ever has in the past and the touchdown to reception ratio or i'm sorry the touchdown interception ratio is also it's not the best it's been but it's very solid compared to last year's kind of dip back down in the other direction Dak is just actively good and he's just not priced like he is and so i love Dak. it's a fine matchup with indy just not worried about it he's found amari cooper yeah, I'm all in on Dak for cash this week. Yeah, Dak right now is coming in on DraftKings as something like the 12th or 13th most expensive quarterback. And yeah, he's, comical. We I talk, think I wrote that up in the article, too. Like, the, Read the names around Dak. They were totally laughing. Mar- uh, FanDuel, it's Josh Allen, Mariota. So I guess you know, right now he's he's 400 less than Lamar Jackson. So I guess what you're, I'm hearing you say, because we talked about Lamar Jackson. I want to play Dak over Jackson, 100%. Interesting, because we, we have Jackson for significantly more points and that's mostly because the, the matchup is really pushing things in Jackson's favor here um yeah. but this is this could be you know when we talk about making uh, projections and uh, talking what we'll talk about on our twitch stream on Sunday is this could be a conviction time on a guy like Dak like do we think that like for instance have we not accounted for enough for Dak that the Cooper is there now that actually makes a difference that I'm wondering makes if a our... there's a few different things right so I, I talked about the strength of schedule questions I have about Lamar Jackson I think with a player who's a total unknown that comes out of nowhere and produces it's extremely difficult to establish a statistical baseline for someone like that and strength of schedule you know Dak has played whatever 10 times more games than Lamar Jackson has in the NFL it's not it's like eight times more games so we just have a much more reliable baseline for him I'd be concerned that for Jackson like we have him projected for 22 fantasy points right now this is before we really go into the the lab and really tinker and, and make sure everything is correct that just seems high to me given that with four other starts with equally good matchups, he's only hit that number one time. I, and, and that was, he hit it exactly. So you're basically penciling him in for the best game of his career. And I always hate to be that guy who's penciling someone in for the best game of their career. Yeah, I think that I think you're going to see Dak as a pretty popular cash game play coming off the back of last week. It's a good matchup. It rates to stay close, yeah. what you like to see. Uh, I mean, and I think that that 
so funny I said this on our recap podcast, but this is exactly what my when people my brother in law texted me last week about this was his cash game strategy last week was to grab all these Dallas guys. Uh, he was a week early on that, and that is going to probably be I would say ends up becoming a very popular play based on what happened last week, and it's all warranted yeah. by the way. So it's not like I don't think you're taking uh, recency bias and translating onto this week. I think it's, well, none of these guys are even that expensive. Right. That, that the weird thing about it is we're coming off the week that showed the world that you could play all the Cowboys. Cooper is cheaper than he was last week. He was 6,800, now he's 66. Yeah, it so. helps that that game was the 4 o'clock late game, and I think at that point pricing is all pretty much already set because yeah. they're pushing Bad job by them, by the way. What's the rush? Like, just <laughs> wait two hours. Gotta and... fill those contests, baby. All right, I on guess. the, on the uh, Colts side, the injury news we're waiting on here is T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Hilton right now is not, yeah, huge. Has not practiced this week, um, and we're going to have to kind of wait on where we land on them. Now, Dallas has been a pretty good defense this season, but Hilton's still coming cheap. It's basically, and I wrote up Eric Ebron as a just the tight end play. I don't know, like I, there was a great stat the other day. It was like about guys who had had two, three thousand more yards or twenty touchdowns or something like that um, before their age twenty five season, and it was like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski, and Eric Ebron. Like the, the list of yeah. tight end, like the production that he's put up in a very short time. And by the way, short time in the NFL and, t- and with teams like the Vikings that he was splitting tight end uh, snaps with, teams like Jack Doyle he's splitting tight end snaps with. This guy when he plays is just an absolute yeah. beast. Um, do we see him as as close to a cash game lock? We're going to talk about Kittle here in a little bit, uh, and we talked about you know Jared Cook, and we're going to talk about Gronk too. But where does Ebron land on that group for you? And where would Ebron's target share go for you if if Ty was out here? Yeah, that's I mean all good questions. I think I want to play Ebron regardless. I can't remember if this was in the basketball podcast or the football podcast today. Uh, we talked about you know trying to evaluate a guy as a play with an unknown situation for his in terms of his opportunity, and Ebron is really the classic example of this where it's like he's a good play anyway and if ty hilton's questionable or like he might be a little bit banged up or might be used as a decoy ebron only becomes a better play and i would use the ty news as more of a you know just a cherry on top for an already good play so if i was deciding between ebron and kittle i mean ebron's target share is flat out better kittle was insane last week but again they threw him the ball zero times in spite of having 210 yards through the air in the first half i think ebron's opportunity is more stable I think he's a stronger red zone target. I think he's just an actively really good receiver for a team lacking them. So, yeah, I'm all in on Ebron for cash. Uh, we're going to have to take a look at what's going to happen with the TY thing on, in terms of the wide receivers. Uh, the two games, we have something of a comp from earlier in the season because Hilton did miss two games. And in those two games, Chester Rogers did top double-digit targets in yep. both of them. Um, they have Andrew Luck has been completely fine just spreading the ball to multiple receivers. I mean, the, these games without Hilton, sure. like there's like 11 pass catchers in the group. So it's uh, it's one of these things where you really can't bank on it. And I will say that Chester Rogers during those games did not have great conversion percentages. Um, but he was, after Ebron, was the second most targeted guy on the team. So I think we I would feel pretty comfortable, at least on Rogers bumping up Bumping up some of that target share, we do see you know Zach Pascal is still there. He outsnapped Rodgers last week. Naheem Hines has caught a lot of balls out of the backfield at times. Um, this is one. This is another one where if Ty Hilton was ruled out. By the way, I think if Ty Hilton's a full go, he's also a good play. So like, yeah, I like we're, we're, we're in a situation now where I think we're going to be in, in an either or situation in terms of what we get on Hilton if he's out. We're going to get value in the rest of the wide receiver core. If he plays, I think, and we feel like he's fully healthy, then I think I'd be fine running him out there in, in cash games as well. That's another one to tune back into 
early uh, as we get closer to lineup lock. Uh, a game that we don't probably need to tune a ton into is Detroit and Buffalo. Buffalo two-point home favorites, 40 over under. You're playing the Buffalo defense on DraftKings. That's why you got to tune into this one. 2,800, they're giving these guys away. Yeah, they've actually been a good, pretty good defense this year, all things yeah. considered. It's, uh, and um, with Josh Allen running the ball so much, they've been able to keep deep, uh, their opposing team at times off the field. Detroit's garbage. I, like, there's no other way. Yeah, I think they have like the second lowest implied total on the week. Um, it's amazing how bad they've managed to be. Uh, some injury news here. Bruce Ellington, I think he's currently questionable, but fairly unlikely to play with the hamstring. He has been chewing up a lot of targets for them. I mean, Kenny Galladay only got targeted four times against Arizona, so it's not clear that... I'm not going crazy in that target share, even if Ellington's out. This team is... You can't you just trust... don't care. You okay. can't trust... The, I just can't trust the offense. I, like, they, they're just bad. They can't run the ball. They're extremely bad. Don't All their get, best... Play, they, they traded Tate away. <laughs> like, Karrion Johnson, their best running back's out. Like, they just... This is if you're if you have this many implied points to the Buffalo Bills on a given week, like yeah. you are just actively one of the worst teams in football. There's no doubt about it to me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all right, let's move into the four o'clock games. Only a couple of these. Seattle goes in and plays San Francisco. They're three and a half point road favorites with a 44 over under. Uh, injury news: We're waiting to hear on Doug Baldwin. It looks like he might play. Uh, it's unclear, you know, where at times where he hasn't played that they haven't gone robust target share. They're, they're content to try to run the ball as much as possible with a running game that is sometimes hard to target simply because you can't trust what their overall plan was. Like, for instance, last week they ran Chris Carson 22 times, but Rashad Penny was also in there for eight carries. Mike Davis got a couple carries. Um, you know, Carson had 35 snaps to Penny's 14, to Davis's 18, but this is three running backs that are getting 15 or so snaps a game. I don't know if that's something I really want to trust. Is there something you see on Seattle that I'm not? I don't think I've played any Seattle guys all season. I think I played Mike Davis in a GPP. Earlier I by mistake played D- I by mistake played the wrong D Moore right. on, the, on the week we were supposed to play DJ Moore, and I played David Moore. That was my one mistake. And you got there hardcore. <laughs> um, no, I'm not interested in Seattle. I think San Francisco, the more interesting side of the matchup here. Uh, the big news right now, obviously, is Matt Burita. Uh Currently, it looks like he's on track to play. Uh, he might be limited. Yeah, obviously, if he plays, I don't think you want to run either him or Jeffrey Wilson. Uh, Wilson showed plenty of confidence out of the backfield last week. Um, they gave him the ball a ton. I don't, but I think either of those guys in the low sixes, high fives, like you'd be deciding between them and Dalvin Cook or something, right? And I think that would be a pretty straightforward nod in Cook's favor, at least as far as our system's concerned, right? Yeah, the only guy really interested here is Kittle. Kittle's been about as good a tight end play as you can be on a week to week basis. It's expensive off. now, man. He's a thousand more than Ebron. The target share is, is, is as good as you can get over the last four weeks. Like, yeah. and, and that is directly translated to when Nick Mullins took over as quarterback, by the way. Yeah. So if you're looking at. If you're looking at you know who the primary pass catcher in this offense is when Mullins is on her center, it is by far it's Kittle. It's really not particularly sure. close. I guess in terms of ranking them based on price, Kittle on DraftKings is 63, Ebron 59, Cooks 56, and we're gonna get to Gronk in one second here. But um, you know, do you have a? Let's just call these guys basically all the same price. Like you know, maybe we're making a decision on like defense or something like that. Do you have a conviction play of that mm. group, the Kittle Ebron? Cook, Gronk, or you want, or maybe want to tier them? Like there's a couple guys you would put in one tier as opposed to the other. I think I'd like Kittle and Ebron for starters. I think Cook and Gronk, um, I'm going to ask for a little bit more in terms of sample size before I get too excited. I know people are, are all about, maybe we'll move into the Pittsburgh-New England game here in a second, but pe- people are all about the Gronk resurgence narrative after a really good game against Miami uh, where he was targeted eight times, call, caught all eight of those balls, for 107 yards and a touchdown. They targeted him on the final play, too, when he fell on his face and <laughs> trying to beat, beat Kenny and Drake. Fair enough. <laughs> the Miami targeted him, too. You should give him nine targets, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think that that could be a nice sign that Gronk is, like, really firing now and, you know, fully healthy, getting it done out there. I think I'd be pretty hesitant to pay him, to pay for the speculation on Gronk's upside when, like, 
Ebron is basically a Gronk light right now anyway, and Kittle just had what would have been the best game of Gronk's career. So I just don't know. Yeah, I've, I think I'm going to go with Kittle and Ebron in the top tier, and then probably Gronk, and I don't think I'm going to play Jared Cook. Final game uh, is Gronk and the Patriots taking on the Steelers. Three-point road favorites with the easily the highest over-under of the entire slate at 52. Um, okay, so let's start on the Pittsburgh side because the relevant news here is that James Conner has still not practiced this week with a high ankle sprain, and then you get the news that you just the absolute last thing you want to hear when trying to project something is James Conner hasn't practiced and doesn't need the practice to play. So let's say we're sitting here at 12 yeah. o'clock, 12.30 on Sunday, and we're looking at this game, and we're thinking we don't know James Conner's status. Because then the reason right. I say it is because not that I'd really want to run Connor out there, but Jalen Samuel yeah. was pretty damn effective last week. In terms I would love to play Jalen Samuels again, sure. But but are we in a because here's the other problem too. When we're talking about DraftKings and FanDuel that both have late swap, that's all fine and good. There's two four o'clock games. There's no one to swap to. Like there's no there's going to be no relevant swaps that you can swap out. I mean that you were going to feel anything close to safe with if we get the word that Connor's playing. Because not only if you have Samuel in your lineup, not only will you, you will not be able to swap Connor in because he's too expensive. Um, course, and yeah. that at that point, you're staring at, you know, basically a cheap wide receiver from this you game. You Dante Pettis, dude. Exactly. So this is like, or, or, or one of these like Seattle losers, <laughs> like one of these Seahawks losers. Like, I just don't know. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? If it's 1230 on Sunday, are we just going to, because again, like Jalen Samuel is like one of the best values in the sleep. 5,500 on FanDuel. I think he's still, I think he's like right at 5,000. You have 5,200 on DraftKings from a guy that we just saw come in, get a majority of the snaps. That we, that Caught he, seven balls. He was pretty ineffective in the running game. but Outsnapped Ridley 48-8. Yeah. to eight, So the, there was yeah, not there was that. no timeshare uh, at all. Now Ridley did snipe one of the vulture one of those touchdowns, which sucks. Seven t- targets in the past game on a game that, hey, they could be playing from behind. Pittsburgh's done that a lot this year. Uh, what are we going to do here? What, is this a, is this just an impo- are we just going to be in an impossible situation Sunday? <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like it. I, I think you probably just don't do it. I think if we it's hear be brutal, I think if you, you if you hear no news on Connor Samuel's is enough of a question mark. Like he wasn't like if Samuel's was great last week if he had like fourteen carries and turned those into like sixty yards, I would feel a lot more concerned than I would dodging him when he had eleven carries for twenty eight yards. Um, I think that's enough of a that's enough of a tiebreaker or whatever that I could just probably not do it. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I just as soon have the news. It seems like probably in Pittsburgh, they're going to have made their mind up by noon. Right. So can they just let everyone know? I think they're just doing it like the gamesmanship piece. I, I yeah, think they probably, they the and they, and they just know, <laughs> I think they know, I think they, and and I'm not saying they know that he's not going to play. I think they just know. Actually, I take that back. I think if they knew he was going to play, he would be practicing. So I don't think you would just. That's what I was going to say. I think my guess is they know he's not going to play, but don't just want to come out and say it. Yeah. So we're going to be. Look, I think this is a little bit less of a problem on Fanduel because you get a guy like Dalvin Cook for just 700 more, which is not nothing, but I don't know. They're like in the same price store. He and I, I think I maybe just. On balance, find Cook to be safer than Jalen Samuel. just even even if you had both news on both, right? right? So I think I'd be fine there, and you're getting like a slight discount on Mixon. So I think on Fanduel you're okay. On DraftKings, it's going to be a little tougher. That price is a, is a pretty nice one on DraftKings to sort of fits a need where you're usually looking for guys like in this five thousand range to round out a lineup. Um, because like, so what our system does right now is like. Oh, you don't want Jalen Samuels? Why don't you just play Jeffrey Wilson in a timeshare? Yeah, you which know? I've already downgraded his exactly. thing. Um, like then he goes down to Adrian Peterson. I, I don't think if you saw me throw my hands up in the air as you were talking because I started looking down the list of like where we we're going to go outside of Samuel, and yeah. I kind of threw my hands up in frustration because I thought, oh, this is where we're going to land. Is I suspect without him, we're going to land on something like Zeke Mixon and Cook still on DraftKings and just punting. Yeah, punting so maybe you make it. Maybe you make the case for it in, in that realm. I don't know. I haven't looked at the uh, the contingency plans quite yet in terms of what's going on on DraftKings but you know maybe if you can get 
like Je- Jeffrey Wilson, if you have Breida news, wouldn't be obviously the worst pivot there. Um, you know, maybe if Breida, I can't, I don't, can't see Breida's price at the moment, but if Breida were to play, maybe you could pivot there. I don't know. Maybe there's some be some reasonable option. Maybe if you figure on DraftKings that the upside's high enough, especially because you'd love to see him being used in the passing game. Those seven free points that you got from passing the Samuels last week really mattered. So. I don't know. It is a tough spot, though. Uh, New England side will finish it off here. They um, oh, come... Juju, good play too. Just before you move to New England. Oh yeah, sorry. Juju's actually pretty close. He's actually yeah, he's we have player. him right around the same target share as Antonio Brown at this point. Maybe just a tick lower, but his conversion rate slightly better. Uh, final thoughts here on the New England side. We saw Gronk uh, resurgence game last week, but he was still actually the third most targeted guy in the offense. Yeah. Um, Edelman and Gordon both. Uh, both. No, wait. This is Edelman and Gordon. Shoot, I just had him in front of me. Um, I know he was third overall. Uh, get there real quick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Edelman had twelve targets. Gordon had nine, and then Gronk had eight. Uh, all three were pretty good. Gordon, not as much from an efficiency standpoint. Still got there on the yards at 96. Uh, thoughts on this passing game? Seems like this could be a time to, again, exploit a Pittsburgh defense that has shown the willingness to just yeah. be um, just be bad in terms of how they're going to match up with other teams. Like, we saw Keenan Allen just destroy them. Um, we saw the Raiders hang. Like, what, what are we Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of like Edelman from that perspective. If Pittsburgh hasn't learned their lessons and they want to and because you also just have to respect Gordon and Gronk too like you can't just play off those guys and if you had trouble allocating the resources to deal with the Chargers best receiver in Keenan Allen I could see a scenario where you have trouble allocating resources for Edelman who's arguably the third best receiver on this team so uh yeah I I think Edelman definitely interesting tournament play potential there for cash as well Uh, I'm not too interested in the New England running game it kind of seems like a poor man's version of the Saints or something with Michelle and White I don't yeah, I don't have any interest in that. But yeah, in the passing game, I feel like for cash, you might be exposing yourself to a situation where the Pats have shown, you know, that they have no loyalties to any given guy. Like they just will play what works. And if you happen to guess wrong, uh, then you're kind of up a creek. But I do think Edelman has enough safety built in there that I'd be willing to play. Hilarious, the snap count on the New England running backs last week. Three guys had 30 or more. That was Michelle, 34, White, uh, 33, James Devlin at 36, and then Rex Burke had still got his 17 in. So they are, uh, they're just all over the place with his running backs. Yeah. Obviously, the only one that you can actually... The only two you can really trust from a fantasy perspective, and I put that in quotes, is Michelle and James White. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR dot com slash deals will get you started go on over to the site jump into the premium chat ask people how they're liking the system and the product they will tell you their honest opinion and we're fine with that because we think you will hear it and then be with us for the long haul also go check out our twitch stream it's gonna be going up sunday morning where we'll be breaking down our thoughts leading into week 15 lineup lock dfsr.com slash deals will get you started buddy enjoy your week 15 in the nfl thanks man And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.